0: Ala wa ala alihi wa wa ila Amma ba'd. So Alhamdulillah last time we were reading Imam Al Muhasibi's advice and he was discussing the importance of the intelligence of the intellect and then he was speaking about the importance of action So he said, That know that nobody has adorned themselves with an adornment like intellect. So if a person has intellect, it's the best adornment that they can have. We're not talking about just raw intellect that doesn't have an ulterior purpose, which is just to show off the intellect. Basically what he's speaking about is not that you can just solve very complicated matters very easily And make certain connections very easily But the idea is that intellect to understand the prudent intellect Intellect of based on prudence of what is beneficial for a person At the end of the day, the human being is just not a, a, a vehicle for intellect The human being is full of various different types of uh, goals and ambitions—they uh, have interaction with others. Uh, there's a ulterior, ul, there's a there's an ulterior purpose of life. So, the fact that the intellect is just one aspect of that uh, has to be—it has to then be realized within all of those things. So, if there's somebody who's just a whiz kid who's just really good at something, as we get some people, but they have no idea about anything else about themselves how to speak to somebody, how to interact with somebody, what is beneficial for them, what is harmful for them, then what's the point of that intellect? You can't just separate intellect out of a human being and just revel at it and compliment it, if that intellect isn't doing anything for the human being in a more wholesome way. Because every aspect that we have, right, is interlinked with other aspects. That's what makes us who human beings are. Then we have a purpose. Then there is obviously, uh, a time in this world and then we have an idea of the hereafter so the intellect has to play a part in every one of these aspects it can't be seen as just in a vacuum of its own so some of us may be thinking that if he's talking about uh praising the intellect so much then that means the one who seems to be the fastest at solving a puzzles the one who seems to have the greatest iq must be the uh, must be the most adorned individual do you see what what i'm saying but IQ was a big deal 20-30 years ago, now they're talking about more about EQ, an emotional aspect of it. So it looks like for some reason we went right, right down to the beginning of IQ and then now we're realizing that IQ is not everything. It, it, it plays a part in life but it has to be seen within everything else. So that's very important to understand. So that's why he says that when looking at it in a wholesome way that intellect is extremely important and that is because intellect is going to make you uh, help us make certain decisions which are useful for us then he says <laughs> however he then says clothing so he's saying adornment is intellect so adornment is in general anything that you use an adornment then he says in specific he seems to bring clothing uh, specifically and he says the clothing the the most Uh, beautiful and attractive clothing that anybody can wear smart clothing that anybody can wear is knowledge and again it's the same thing you can't see knowledge as just somebody who can reel off a lot of facts somebody who just has everything up there and is very good in a general quiz they just have a lot of detail a lot of data right that's not the point so It is more about having wholesome knowledge that is to your benefit, and to avoid knowledge that is not to our benefit. Otherwise, there's a lot of detail out there that we can waste our our time with. Can IQ ever in uh, sorry? Can artificial intelligence AI ever catch up? Can it really be the same thing? So the simple way to understand that is that if you get a guy who only knows, who doesn't know any Urdu. Right, let's just take the word Urdu or Arabic. He doesn't know any Urdu or any Arabic. And but he's taught he, he doesn't know how to speak, he doesn't know how to understand it, but he knows the alphabet only. Right? And he knows how to mix it up. So now you put him in a room with all of these books that are all in Arabic or Urdu or whatever, whichever, just say Arabic. He doesn't know any Arabic himself. And through the through the hole in the door you're you're giving him you you're you're sending him little pieces of paper with a uh, 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 with uh, what do you call it, with some details on it. So, what he has to do basically is go and uh, decipher that and find out where that's found. And when he finds it, he basically goes and provides that reference to them. Does he understand what's going on, or is he just literally combining details together that he has no idea of? Do you see what I'm saying? Is he, he knows that I can find this, these kind of symbols are found here, and these are found in here. So, he brings that information, r- writes it down because he knows how to write right or type and then he sends it back right now you can clearly see that there's going to be mistakes made in that that is where artificial you can get really good at it in terms of getting the right information right okay this means this so get that information but you can't process that information so you can't use your own intellect in that case to actually understand what what is being said right you're just literally making connections so that's pretty much what artificial intelligence does right now it just does it very well but it doesn't understand it can't correct errors for example in that sense unless it's been trained to do that in particular So uh, nobody wore any garments that were more beautiful than knowledge and then he gives his reasons he says because Leanderhu now remember for Muslims that the ulterior purpose is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is life without Allah? That's why he's saying that the reason for this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has never been recognized except through the intellect. You need the intellect to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to gain an awareness of Him. So that's why it makes it so important. It's the tool to understand Allah with. That's why it's so important. But then also in that he's indicating of why intellect is so important, why you need it in the first place. Then he says لِأَنَّهُ ma wala uti'a illa bil and without knowledge he cannot be uh, he cannot be uh, uh, he cannot be worshipped. Sorry. Uh, yes, he can't be you, you can't show obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except through knowledge. Because let's, let's just say somebody, who's caught, somebody who doesn't know much, they've not had a very good life in terms of the deen, suddenly they get really inspired because somebody died in their family and they saw a death or something, and now they want to start doing something for the sake of Allah. But they don't know where to start, they don't know how to pray properly or whatever the case is. Can you see that even though they want to obey Allah, they don't know how to obey Allah, so you need knowledge for that. And the more we gain out of that knowledge, the more ways we'll have to inshallah, obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hassan al basri rahimahullah he says that law lil ilmi surah that you know if you were to give a form to knowledge if knowledge was to take on a form a representative form suratu ahsana min then literally the form of knowledge i mean if it took a depiction of something if it could be visualized it would be more beautiful uh, than the sun the moon the stars and the sky all put together it would be the most beautiful thing because of what he can provide Mu'adh anhu Mu'adh ibn Jabal anhu says that al-ilmu and again these are perspectives of how they found knowledge and what they're saying about knowledge which gives us an understanding how it benefited them so he's saying that al-ilmu hayatul min minal jahl the only way to basically give some life to the heart and remedy the ignorance to basically remove the ignorance and uh, give it health is basically through knowledge min and likewise with knowledge it's basically the lantern of the eyes from darkness otherwise essentially what uh, evil is being represented or ignorance is being represented by darkness here so when you have knowledge you'll be able to see no that's wrong that looks attractive but it's wrong abdan min and likewise, if you have knowledge, then it will be the strength of the bodies away from weakness. How does knowledge provide strength in the body when you're feeling so tired? How do you think that's going to do that? I can understand illuminating the eyes in terms of what you see, in terms of uh, removing ignorance, but he's taking it to another level. He's saying that you're going to get strength out of this. Like he's talking about phys- you know, you learn stuff and you get physically strong. What is he talking about then? Motivation. Motivation. Of course, because subhanallah, there's people who are tired but they've got motivation. And motivation comes from the knowledge of something, uh, some kind of uh, resolution you need to make, some kind of goal, some kind, and that comes through knowledge. And we know with human beings, that's what it is. The people who are very tired but then they need to stand up and do something, they will do it. You get the energy, it helps. Otherwise, Shaytan will try to make us feel tired anyway the more you study and the more you inshallah focus on it it will basically take a servant up to the level of the most elect and the most righteous ones that's what knowledge does to a person that's why any small course you can take you can't become a scholar that's understandable that's fine we got a question recently from somebody who said that i think they've taken a vow that if so-and-so happens or something happens, then I'm going to become a scholar right, of the deen. Right? So there were some technicalities there, but the main thing is that while the vow wasn't a valid vow, we discovered because of the way they said it, but we said even if it's not valid or whatever, you've got your whole life to become an Islamic scholar. So an Islamic scholar doesn't mean that I need to do the next six years full-time. You've got your whole life to keep studying and studying and studying, taking courses and alhamdulillah there's, there are more and more courses that are being available. You take two courses this year, you take another one course next year, the third year is a bit busy so you take half a course, right? The year after that you've got some time off. You take another course, just keep yourself occupied and keep learning something. That's, that, I think that's the best thing. Right? And this is not just for non-ulama, even for the ulama they may have spent five, six, seven years having studied, but it doesn't end there. They have to also continue. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this institute anyway. So it's for all of us. Knowledge never ends. There is always more and more and more to learn. When are you going to call yourself an alim? right? When are you going to say, I'm a scholar now? You see what I'm saying? Nowadays, the thresholds of that is quite... Quite low. I mean, you can just say I've studied here and I've sat in his gatherings for a few days and his, and some of the top scholars of the world. I've spent three days here and two days there. Met him in Makkah, Mukarramah, Madina Munawwarah, and he's a scholar now. Right? He's an alim. He's an alima now. Right? You know, Subhanallah. It's quite easy. So at the end of the day, let's not trick ourselves. Whether we've studied for seven years, six years, or no years, let us continue to do something every year. Dedicate yourself to one course whether that be a weekend course, an evening course, a one-off course, whatever the, whatever the case is, it will just make us better people and better, inshallah, more knowledgeable people. And he says, truly يَبْلُغُ بِالْعَبْدِ مَنَازِلَ الْأَخْيَارِ وَالْأَبْرَارِ اللَّهُمَّ جَعَلْنَا مِنْهُمْ وَالدَّرَجَاتِ fi فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And it will be that knowledge that will take you to the highest levels both in this world and in the hereafter. He's saying subhanAllah, this is again from himself, right? he's saying What فِيهِ Just thinking over something to do with knowledge. This is obviously sacred knowledge we're talking about. Something, whatever it may be, that takes you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that makes you closer to Allah and gives you an understanding of the purpose of this world. Just thinking over an issue like that is better than fasting. Or actually equal to fasting. Doesn't mean you don't have to fast anymore. الْقِيَامِ And to sit and disc- have these uh, important discussions on aspects related to knowledge, it, it's equal to standing up and praying at night in terms of reward you can get. That doesn't mean that it excludes you from praying at night, because the Prophet awesome used to do both. وَبِهِ تُوصَلُ arham. Now these are tangible benefits. The more you learn, the less problems you'll have with others, especially your own kin. So the more you know, then by that kinship will be tied. Your relationships will increase, especially with your family. How, how do you think that's going to happen? I'll tell you that sometimes the closest people you interact with are supposed to be your relatives. And not every relative of ours or every close person to us is a reasonable individual sometimes they do weird things sometimes they say strange things sometimes they act in a certain way sometimes they may do something wrong to us the more knowledge you have the more knowledge we have and the more piety we have then we are able to tolerate that right we can basically make we can interpret what they're doing in a positive way rather than in a negative way I'm assuming that this is saying that your akhlaq will improve your um, your character will improve and so on and so forth and subhanallah you know I'm telling you this that there are so many times when something like that has happened and you get angry and then you just suddenly think you try to give an excuse because you know you've learned and you have studied things so you're trying to give somebody an excuse that maybe they said it because of this sometimes to be honest you're angry with people because things haven't gone the way you wanted it to go but if you really think deeply you'll find out that it's not really the fault of the other person either. Sometimes we get angry because something hasn't gone right, and we blame the person in front, the other person, because there's nobody else who's a target right then. It seems to be coming from them because they were also involved. But then if you actually sit down in a cool-headed way, you realize that it wasn't their fault either. So knowledge is supposed to teach us all of these things, all of this kind of control, understanding, various ways of looking at something, the more you know, the more you understand, then you, we can say there's various ways of looking at things. It basically removes uh, this narrow vision. And of course, وَيُعْرَفُ الْحَلَالُ مِنَ الْحَرَامِ The halal will be recognized uh, and distinct from the haram. And that's a, that's a major plus. But then he, you see, he's understanding knowledge in a very particular context. He's saying, وَهُوَ إِمَامٌ Knowledge is your imam meaning knowledge is the Imam and if you consider knowledge as the Imam the Imam is a leader so the follower the follower to an Imam is basically the action so that means that you can't just keep studying 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 and not have basically you can't have the you can't just go around around town around the country with the, the head of the truck, you know the the horse part, and that you don't pull anything with it. You're like, what what, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just get a car then if you're gonna go around in a in a, in a in a horse of a truck without the the carriage at the back, right? So at the end of the day, it has to beckon to actions, and ac- action has to follow suit, uh, which is amal. و يلهمه These are his last two points. Muadh ibn Jabal he says that um this type of knowledge this sacred knowledge is only inspired to the fortunate ones and fortunate here refers to those whom allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for them to be fortunate in the hereafter uh, you know it says in that hadith of sahih muslim that and the third trimester the angel comes and writes if the person is going to be a fortunate individual or is going to be a wretched individual in terms of their ending right so he's saying that, and that the point with this is that this kind of knowledge we're speaking about is only going to be inspired to the ones who are fortunate in terms of the hereafter. And the Ashqiya, the Shaki, the wretched one, the non-fortunate one is going to be deprived of it. So let us see I mean, how much our... how do we feel towards knowledge? How do we feel like, in terms of trying to gain knowledge? Imam Firuzabadi, Badi, Allama Firuza Badi, is one of the great scholars. He says in his Basairu the Wittamiz fi Lataifil Kitabil Aziz, basically insights into the people of distinction uh, with regards to the subtleties of the mighty Kitab, the mighty book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Quite an awesome sounding name of a book. He says, Allah. He says it's very, very clear from the science of uh, character and good conduct. Like if you look at good conduct as a, as a science, he says you, one, thing that you, uh, the one thing that becomes very, very clear is that human virtue, insani virtue, hu- virtue of the human being, right? It's basically all boils down to four points you know when you look at a human being and you consider whether they have good character or bad character it boils down to four essential elements what are those four essential elements he said one is al-ilm right if somebody has knowledge you're generally going to respect that person somebody who is ignorant you respect him for something else but then there's going to be a major thing missing which is that they don't have knowledge so ilm is the first thing the second one he says is a shaja'a bravery nobody wants to be with a coward Right? You've got somebody who's, mashallah, got a lot of resolution, got a lot of himmah, has a lot of bravery. You want to be, not, not, not uh, unharnessed bravery that they go and do crazy things. Right? That's why you need the knowledge with it to harness the bravery, to use the bravery in the right way. Right? Families would be sick of a person like that who doesn't have bravery. Imagine if the father, who's supposed to be the head of the household, is a coward who's not willing to take a... Uh, take a gamble, you know, like a positive gamble on something, not not a gamble of gambling, but you know, to to basically go and do something. He's always scared about everything. Uh, so that's the second point. The third one he says is ifa. Ifa means chastity, more of a tolerance and forbearance. So not indulging in one's desire. You don't see the person as just somebody who's always going after their stomach or going after their you know fulfilling the desires of the private parts uh, somebody who ful- fulfills I mean the natural desires but is not going overboard with that and somebody who has those desires so it comes down to the moderation of these things and the fifth one is adl, and which essentially he'll explain anyway Adl is uh, justice, a sense of justice in everything at the end of the day, if you look at anybody's character, think of somebody you think has good character. It's going to boil down to knowledge, bravery, chastity, and um, moderation and uh, justice. Think of somebody with bad c- character and see why you dislike it. And you notice it's got something to do with one of these things. God, it's just too greedy. Right? It's just too tight, too stingy. Just too ignorant. Whatever, you know, whatever the case is. Now, of course, there are going to be other issues that you will look at. But if you look at it, you can actually trace them to one of these four. They're all subsidiary issues that come from these four. Or they're related to them somehow. So now, if you take knowledge itself, why is knowledge such an important aspect of these four? Knowledge is important because that is what makes your intelligent being. That is what an intelligent being needs. The knowledge is related to the intelligent aspect of a person. Um, this is a very philosophical definition, right? Fadilatun nafsin Natika is a very Aristotelian uh, idea where he defined the human being as a, um, a haiwan and natik. right? And natik here refers to intelligent, not just the one who speaks, because nutk just means to speak. He's talking about speaking with sense, Animals speak as well, but we're talking about speaking in a way that makes sense. So anyway, that's a very philosophical discussion. وَالشَجَاعَةُ فَضِيلَةُ النَّفْسِ الْغَضَبِيَّةِ And shaja'a, um, bravery, that's to do with our faculty of anger, the, the heat. Like, get up and do something. And his, they say his water doesn't even move. Right? He's got no fire in him at all. He just sits back, gets trodden over, his family gets abused, doesn't do anything. So shajah is the positive aspect of that. Number three, uh, the third one he says is Ifa, uh, which is uh, chastity, That is basically the virtuous aspect of our desire, right? Because uh, chastity is where the balance is in exercising our desires if it's to the level of chastity where you're basically allowing yourself to indulge in the halal and away from the haram and not in the haram then that is the moderation that's what you call chastity so then the last one the justice aspect he says that governs all of them that's a general virtue which encompasses all of them because in all of these things you need moderation so, it's almost like there are three really, and the fourth one is a completion of all of the uh, completion of those three. They're not really on equal footing because the adal spans all of them, and you need that justice and moderation to be able to moderate uh, the, the, what, what it means by chastity, what it means by knowledge, and what it means by bravery because you don't want to overdo it. Too much bravery, the guy's going to do something crazy, too less bravery, he's not going to even do what's necessary right that's that's basically what he's talking about and then he says that you know among all of these now among all of these faculties the intelligence faculty enough the the um, what he calls annafsunnaatika the the intelligence faculty he says clearly that has to be the most superior faculty of all of them like if you think about it if you've got the faculty of desire faculty of uh, anger and bravery and faculty of knowledge which one do you think is most important I mean they're all necessary, but which one is most important? The knowledge one, right? Because that governs the others as well in a sense. So that's why he says that there's no doubt that the intelligence aspect of it is the most noble of these faculties. And that's why the virtue that comes with that, which was knowledge, right? Uh, uh, Because that comes with intelligence, that has to be the most virtuous of these virtues, among among the four virtues. right? and this virtue cannot be found completely without having knowledge and then he's telling us the whole trail here he says that but your knowledge cannot be completed and cannot be found without it so you need intelligence and you need knowledge you need them together al-allama nasiruddin atusi he mentions at the beginning here he has a treatise called adabul mutaallimeen the etiquette of those who study he says sharaful ilmi la ala ahad the honor of knowledge should not be hidden on anybody. I mean, it's something quite clear, quite straightforward. Because knowledge, the ability to gain more knowledge. Do you see any other animal doing that? Any other animate being doing that? You don't. It's something that is distinctively for human beings. Only humans go and study in schools and go to university and study books. No other animal does that. They speak, they procreate, they have desire, they eat. They do all of that, but they don't study. It's the thing which distinctively only human beings do. Animals also kill and murder and pillage and everything else. But humans, the one thing which is distinctive is that. And that obviously, he says, that. that's why everybody should understand that if that's what makes us so special as human beings, then it must be the most noble characteristic. Because if you have bravery, you know, among the among the four issues we read, the bravery, the desire, the strength, the compassion, you find that in all animals. But knowledge you don't find in any other animal. Only in the human being. Wabihi Ta'ala fadla Adam Malaika. And that is it was knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to show the virtue of Adam over all the angels as well. وَأَمَرَهُمْ sujud And then told them to prostrate. And of course, one of the biggest things is that it is the only means to gain, basically it is only the means for eternal fortune and bliss as long as action comes along with it according to its demands. Ilm and action, that's what it is. So may, this, may Allah make this a, an inspiration for us to continue if we're studying knowledge and to never give it up, to never give it up. If you're already teaching, then obviously the way to learn more knowledge if you can't go and formally take a class is to take on a new subject and study for yourself and just ask where guidance is needed. Otherwise, if you can't do that, then for for those who are not ulama, then they just study with others. And again, you've got your whole life to become an alim right so we just want to see before we die what level we've gotten to that's the most important thing let us not uh, abandon it completely if we can't get it all at once right so may Allah Subh'anaHu wa Ta-A'la grant us beneficial knowledge and may Allah Subh'anaHu wa Ta-A'la make it a zina for us and adornment for us Allahumma <laughs> salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمةك نستغث. اللهم يا معدن الجود والكرم اغفر لنا ورحمنا. اللهم اغفر لنا ورحمنا وعافينا واهدنا ورزقنا. اللهم اغفر لأمتي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم. اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات. Ya Allah, we ask you for your special forgiveness. Oh Allah, forgive us our wrongdoings, our excesses. Ya Allah, we ask you for forgiveness from all the sins we have committed, from all of our weaknesses, from all of our deficiencies. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us among those who are close to you, those who can live a life of piety and taqwa. O Allah, we are surrounded by difficulties, we are surrounded by temptations, we are surrounded by distractions. O Allah, we are indulgent and involved with so many things that are useless for us, that is of no benefit to us. In many cases that is of no benefit to us both in this world or the hereafter. O Allah, we ask that you give us true knowledge and discernment, true bravery, O Allah, true aspiration. O oh Allah bless us in what you have given us. O oh Allah, you've given us so many opportunities. We ask that you make our circumstance conducive to taking benefit from these opportunities. O oh Allah, we have a life ahead of us. Only you know how long we will stay, how long we will live and how long we will be in this world. Oh Allah, we ask that you make it a full and a wholesome life, a hayat tayyiba. O Allah, that you Protect us from all forms of evil which are out there, all forms of depression, all forms of dissatisfaction with you especially. Oh Allah, make us satisfied with you and Oh Allah, you be satisfied with us. Oh Allah, make us satisfied with you and you be satisfied with us. Oh Allah, do not allow us to become so tempted by other things that it makes us forget you. Oh Allah, remedy our heedlessness. O oh Allah, we have so many opportunities, give us the ability to take benefit from these opportunities. O oh Allah, make us of those who are Imams of goodness, who are leaders of goodness, who bring about and who produce good in this world, who contribute to good and virtue in this world. O oh Allah, we ask that You balance our characteristics, our conduct, You grant us moderation and understanding. You protect us from the pitfalls that life brings in front of us. You protect us from the shaitan, You preserve us, our families and our children. You embellish us with beneficial knowledge and beneficial character. You give us a life full of action and fulfilling good deeds. And oh Allah, those good deeds which are required by our knowledge. Oh Allah, we ask that when in, in our final year before we pass away that we're better off than we've ever been before in our life. Make the last part of our life the best part of our life. And make the best part of our existence when we stand in front of you on the Day of Judgment. Oh Allah, we know we're asking you for a huge amount. And we have no actions to show for this. But Oh Allah, we know that your generosity knows no bounds. So we ask you, Ya Allah, based on your mercy, that you turn the situation for us and make us of the fortunate ones in this world and especially in the hereafter. Accept these gatherings from us. Accept our coming here. O oh Allah, accept our sitting here. And O oh Allah, make it a source of Barakah for just not us, but for everything around us and for our work and our family and everybody else. O oh Allah, we ask that you accept this place and allow great guidance to spread from here. O oh Allah, you remove any troubles and any difficulties. And you grant us afiyah in everything that we do. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wasalamun al mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.